while you're clapping, uh, can you clap even louder for your pastors? If you love your pastors, can you give a round of applause for your pastors? I'm, I'm honored to be here. It's a, it's a fun opportunity to be able to honor a pastor when he's also your dad. You know him pretty well. And my dad's my biggest hero of my life. He is my role model. And uh, my wife and I, you know, our, our ambition is to be as in love as my parents are. And so that's the greatest compliment that I can give to my parents. I'm not going to look at them because I'm emotional. <coughs> But it's an honor to be here today. I want to talk um, today about what it looks like to be influenced by God. Um, and the reason that I feel like this is such a, a pertinent message, I want to talk specifically about the, 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 the characteristic that's all throughout scriptures. The message of the gospel is a gospel of belief. Believe. Believe and you will be saved. What Jesus did upon the cross is he went to the cross and first John says that what he did is he extended forgiveness to the entire world. And the only thing that we have to do to make that forgiveness available to us is believe. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Believe that what he did upon the cross extends to me. We need to believe. And so the reason why I think that this is so important for the culture that we're in right now is we're watching, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, we are watching a culture war take place. And it doesn't matter what state you're from, it doesn't matter what, what country you're in, it is happening globally around the world, and what is happening is it is a clashing of beliefs. And the Bible also says that what God intends to do is he intends to shake everything that can be shaken, so that... All that remains is what is unshakable. And so we sit in this room today with a great advantage as we look at the, the culture wars that are taking place. As you walk into the workplace and you're, you're faced with, with struggles and challenges and, and, and different ideologies that are put in front of you. We stand with a great advantage because we, we stand upon the belief that we'll remain as, after all of the shaking, after everything comes to an end, we will, we will stand upon the belief that is unshakable. And so I want to talk really simply this morning, and I want to just dive right on in if you just let me. I got two hours of content that I need to squeeze into like an hour and 45 or so. Um, but I want to pray this morning. I have one objective, and it is that you leave feeling so confident, so encouraged, so supercharged that you see the value and the importance of the work that you will go and do tomorrow and on Tuesday and on Wednesday. And my, my belief, and it's not because I'm going to speak with eloquence, but my belief is that what we're going to talk about today has the, in, in, the ability to influence your life forever. It'll change the way that 2024 looks for you, I promise you. So I want to pray. God, I just pray in this moment, Lord, um, for every person that has ears to hear. Let them hear the good news of the gospel. God, for every person that's sitting in confusion. God, I just pray that you'd bring clarity today. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for your presence. 
Right now, God, we just open up our hearts. God, we open up our hands. We open up our minds to you. God, we believe that every time that we approach the word of God, we could be marked forever. And so, God, I believe that there's two types of people in this room today, those that will hear the word and be changed by it. And there will be those that, that hear the word and they leave unchanged forever. And God, I just pray that there would be more uh, of those that are changed than those that leave unchanged today. God, let our ears be open. Let our hearts be open. And Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do? God, would you let your word do what only you can do through your word? And that's break chains and bring freedom and bring abundance and life overflowing. And God, we just pray that as living stones, as a body of believers, those who believe in the good news of Jesus, God, that we would be a, a beacon of hope for humanity, God, that our city would be changed and that you would use us, God, to see our city reached for Christ, our, our city changed for Christ. And everybody at Living Stones said, amen. amen. I want to talk about belief this morning, and here's why. Belief is one of the most significant things about you. What you believe, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about your life, what you believe about God, those are the defining characteristics that will determine the path that you take in life. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you can, we, we see stories, we, we know people, you, you, we can have two individual people that go through two seemingly consistent kind of life experiences, but the, the, their end goal, where they end up, could be completely different. And what I mean by that is you could have two different people, both of which grew up in abusive homes, similar life experiences. But those two individuals can wind up in two completely different places at the end of their life. We, we know people like that. You grow up in abuse, and, and from the pain of the abuse and the affliction of the abuse, you end up going and living a life of abuse and, and addiction and pain and ne never walking in the full potential of what God has put over your life. And you can have another person grew up in a home full of abuse that because of their belief, they change the trajectory of their life and they live a life of freedom they're an amazing parent. Life is to the full. They succeed in their work. We know people like that. Is that correct? What is the difference between the two? Both grew up in pain. And I don't want to minimize the pain. The pain is real. What I want to do is magnify the ability of belief in our life to change the course of our life. Because the only determining factor between those two individuals is their belief. And I'm not even talking about belief in Christ. I'm just talking about what they believe about themselves. Because we can see this in the carnal nature of life. People that are far from God, they have the same outcomes. Some can succeed and some can, can, can toil in their own pain and unrest and addiction and suffering. And they repeat the cycle of abuse. You can have two different people. Never completed college. One goes on and amasses great wealth, builds great companies, achieves great success, climbs the corporate ladder, and the other wallows in their own inadequacy. And you've, we've, we, we know people, and you might be those people that go, man, I just never graduated from college, so I just, there's no opportunities out there. We know people like that. We might be people like that. Let me just read for you just to kind of show this across the scale of the world. These are a few names of some people that, that never completed college. Let's have some fun with this a little bit. There's a guy named Steve Jobs. 
a guy named Bill Gates, John D. Rockefeller, Walt Disney, Ray Kroc, Ralph Lauren, Henry Ford. These are people that never graduated from college. They never had that piece of paper handed to them at the end of the day. But we know people that because they never went to school, they kind of wallow in the inadequacy and the insufficiency of I never was really trained and educated and, and what could God possibly do through me and we know other people that go on to succeed. We, we recognize those names because of what the businesses that they were able to create. What's the difference? Belief. Now these are seemingly carnal illustrations of something that God wove into the fabric of humanity. We hear the humanists going, man, just name it and claim it, and you can attract things to you. It's partially true, and Scripture actually confirms it, that, that the belief has so much significance and so much power in our life that it will actually direct the course of our entire lives. Belief, there is nothing more important in your life than what you believe, than what you believe. Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You're right. Now, I want to look to the most wise human to ever live in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and we'll watch how this begins to take root in Scripture as well. We see it in life. We know people. But look what the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23. It says this, guard your what? heart. The word heart literally means the center, the place where your beliefs flow from. It says guard your heart or guard your beliefs, guard what you put your belief in above what? All else. Now let's just stop for a second. How many of us believe that all scripture is God-breathed? Every single word is God-breathed. There's not a, a wrong word in the scriptures. There's not a misplaced word in the scriptures. The word of God is God-breathed, and he says, guard your heart above everything else. If you're going to try to guard anything, guard your heart. Guard it with your entire passion. Put all of your energy and your focus into guarding your heart. Why? He says, because it is going to determine the course of your life. Can I just make life very simple? If you don't like your life, if you don't like where you are, check your beliefs. What do you believe about your own life? What do you believe about God? And the beautiful thing, the reason I said that we have an advantage is because what we believe about ourselves is informed by God. God has opinions about you. And they're the truest things about you. God designed you. He created you. He strategically chose to put you on planet Earth for such a time as this. He gave you the exact 
wiring that you have, the exact capabilities that you have. He placed you in the family that he placed you in for a reason. Everything was strategically placed by God, and he is holding all things together. I wonder, what do you believe about you? What do you believe about God? Because what you believe about you and what you believe about God will determine the course of your life. And that's why scripture says, above everything else, guard your heart. Guard what you give your belief to. Guard which lies you take in and see as truth. Guard it with your full intensity. Guard it with your full passion. Guard it above everything else in your life. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says this. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What is he saying? When you think of God, what will come to your mind is what you believe to be true about God. What you believe to be true about God is not always what is true about God. It is just what you believe to be true about God. So the reason that he says this is he's going, listen, what you believe about God is the most important quality of your life. It's because what you believe about God ultimately will change and shape and manufacture and create what you believe about you. And that will determine the course of your life. So I just want to start with a simple question this morning. What do you believe? Not in your head, because what you what you really believe you will go and do. What you really have put your faith in, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Why? It's just head knowledge. So what you really believe, you will put into practice. And so I don't say, what do you know about God? I say, how do you live as though there is a God? How do you live as though this God wants to do life with you or not? He wants to empower you or not. What do you believe about God? Do the people in your work know you believe? People tell you're different because you believe in God. I want to take a quick moment and specifically hone on one portion of the Trinity. There is the Father, there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. And kind of based off of this, A.W. Tozer, that is the, your belief about God is the most important thing about you. I, I, I want to specifically hone in for a little bit, if we can, about the Holy Spirit. Because I believe that it's the Holy Spirit's job to tell us about who we are. It's the Holy Spirit's job to reflect who God is. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make Scripture make sense. It's the Holy Spirit's job to bear fruit in our life. So I want to just change the A.W. Tozer, I don't think he's going to mind, change the quote a little bit and, and, and suggest to you today that what comes into our minds when we think about the spirit is the most important thing about us. And here's why. In John chapter 16, in a couple instances throughout the gospel, there's a, the story of Jesus and Jesus has died. He's resurrected. Hallelujah. And he's with, with a few of his followers. <clears throat> and before he ascends into heaven, everyone's kind of panicking. Could you imagine doing life with Jesus? And then he goes, hey, I'm sorry, I have to leave. <laughs> and they're like, 
what do you mean? You're the lead singer in this band. <laughs> and he goes, I, I, I have to leave. I have to leave. <coughs> it's, it's, part, it's part of the Father's great plan. I, I know that, that we've accomplished a lot. I know that we've done a lot, but I have to leave. And everyone's panicking. Everyone's freaking out. Can you imagine looking at Jesus like, are you, are you leaving now? Are you leaving in like a week? Are you leaving in a couple years? Like, what, what's the timeline of this thing? And, and Jesus says something really interesting. In John 16, he says, hey, listen, it is actually better that I go. Now, I want you to just listen to that for a second. If you are doing life with Jesus in the flesh, learning from him, watching from him, he's the main character and you're kind of the tag along. You're getting to see it all happen. He's doing life with you. You're getting to see how it's done. He's the pro. He's the guru. And he decides he's going to leave. And he tells you, it is better for you that I leave. And then he tells them why. He says, because I'm going to send another. Now, if Jesus, the physical person of Jesus, places so much importance upon the another, which is his spirit. How important should we prioritize the work of the spirit in our lives? So we're going to just talk. We're going to nerd out. You can clap if you want. That was passive, but I'm going to give you a second chance. <clears throat> All right. So if you're, if you're like me, I grew up in church my whole life. <clears throat> went to a bazillion conferences. Went to, to church classes. Went to seminary classes. Two seminaries that I didn't complete. Sorry, Dad. <coughs> but I've, I, I, I've sat through a lot of teaching of Scripture, and one of the most confusing elements of Scripture to me has been the Spirit. So mystical. So yoga-y and granola-y, and it's fluid, and I don't really know how to make sense and how to put it into practice in my life. And if this is so significant, I want to put this into practice in my life. And the reason that the, the work of the Spirit is so significant is I believe that the next great move of God is not going to take place in the four walls of a church service, but it is going to take place in the marketplace. It is going to be people that have an understanding and an awareness of the Spirit of God in their life, and they bring it into work. When we talk about an outpouring of the Spirit, it's going to be CFOs. It's going to be CEOs. It's going to be managers. It's going to be cleaners. It's going to be cooks. It's going to be stay-at-home moms, people that have an awareness of the Spirit of God that happen to just pour it out into society. And so I want to talk about what the Spirit means. We're going to look into the original text in the Greek. You guys ready to nerd out? Who's got their glasses on? I got my glasses on. <laughs> so when the Bible refers to Spirit, let's just see what they originally intended when they referred to the Spirit. And the spirit is a Greek word, pneuma. And here's, here's a couple definitions, and we're going to unpack them. The first one is this, a simple essence devoid of matter. And it possesses the power of knowing, desiring, deciding, and acting. Number two, it is the influence. Everybody say influence. Which fills and governs the soul of everyone. That which makes you think, act, desire is the spirit in which we operate. Let's put a pause here. Everyone, believers and non-believers, operates in a spirit. 
They have a spirit by which they're influenced by. What Jesus gave to us is a better spirit. He gave to us the best spirit. And he gave us the opportunity to be influenced by that spirit on how we think, act, desire. That is the spirit that God gave to us. And number three, I love this. The definition number three is the spirit is the vital principle. Everybody say vital. Vital. Crucial to life. It is the vital principle by which the body is animated. Now I want you to think about this in the perspective of God. God is our creator. God fashioned you and formed you. Whether you wanted curly hair and God gave you straight hair, God made you strategically. He was the designer. And just like the designers at Walt Disney created Mickey Mouse, what did they do? They, they sculpted him, gave him a look, gave him a name. That's cool. But the significant thing about Mickey Mouse was when the creators animated his being, we could see what the, the, the creators were trying to create when they thought of Mickey Mouse. And what, he's, what the, the, the definition of this word is, is the spirit of God was designed to animate you. And show the true design of its maker. Friends, when God gave us his spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity is he is the vital principle by which this Trinity is animated. You want to know what God is like, look at the work of the spirit. You want to know what God thinks? It's motivated by his spirit. You want to know, you know it motivates God to act? Look at his spirit. You want to know what God desires? It's embodied in his spirit. And when Jesus said, it is better that I go, the reason he was saying that is, now what has animated me, we give to you. promise you there is nothing more significant than in your life and what you believe about that spirit of God that he's placed inside of you. Romans 8.11. It says this, the spirit of God, it's in line with what we're talking about says, who raised Jesus from the dead, that guy, <laughs> lives in you. Who is the writer writing this to? The believers in Rome. Not special people, not people outside of the ordinary, not people that have earned it. It's just people that believe in Jesus. That's where the Holy Spirit resides. He said the, the, the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he lives inside of you. Right now. He is dwelling inside of you. 
right now. And it says, as, and just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Friends, we look and we remark and we celebrate on Easter the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sometimes missing the point of the fact that God raised his son through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same spirit dwells inside of us. I promise you there's not a more significant message that you're going to hear as it relates to you being a human being. Than understanding what is inside of you. The very thing that stimulates the thoughts of God is in you. You walk into meetings. Can people tell that your thoughts are in connection and they're influenced by God? The things that you desire, can people tell that you're influenced by God? The things that you do, the things that you think, the things that you say, can people tell that they're influenced by God? If not, I just want to say, what do you really believe about what is in you? Because this message is for everybody. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. You have the spirit of the living God. The one who flung the stars into the cosmos. He's in you. I think the spirit of God is just going, man, I just want somebody to believe that enough. To let it spill out into the filters of their life. I just want somebody to believe in it enough. I just want somebody to believe in it enough. I wonder what is it that you believe about the spirit of God that is inside of you? About two and a half years ago, um, I started feeling all this stirring inside me. I started questioning beliefs and not, not foundational beliefs, but I started really digging into what is it that I really believe about God? What is it that I really believe about my life? What is it that I really believe about what God wants to do through me, a human being that is flawed and broken and skewed? My wife is not here to yell amen. She'll be here later if you want to see that. <laughs> but I started really digging into what is it that I believe and through that process, I believe that the Holy Spirit began to show me a picture of what he wanted to do through the marketplace. And as a pastor of a wonderful church, I started to crave what I was believing was going to be taking place in the marketplace. And I craved it so much that I decided I want to be a part of it. I want to be out there in the wild, led by So several couple months ago, I decided to transition into uh, a, a, a company, and I'm the low man on the totem pole. There's nobody lower in the organization than me, nobody that makes less money than me, and what God has done over the course of several months has blown my mind. A few months ago, the owners of the company just pulled me aside and said, hey, you're the new guy. Give us, give us kind of your thoughts on our organization. 
And because I'm full of the Holy Spirit, my thoughts are influenced by God. And so I just began to speak with confidence, not in my own confidence and my own ability. I've never done the business that I'm a part of. I'm never, I don't have experience. I don't have a track record. No one should validate the words that I say. I should have given a disclaimer like, I've never done this, but here's some thoughts. But I spoke with confidence as to what I saw within the organization and where I saw it going and, the, and, and some of the tension points and where I felt like there's missed opportunities and people that might be misaligned within their roles. It just flowed out of my life. And it's not because I'm smart, it's not because I read, it's not because I have a pedigree, it's because my mind is influenced by the God of the universe. <laughs> and I don't say this to brag, but to encourage you. It is not me, it, I'm not smart, God is influencing me. And so what they decided to do is they pulled me aside a, a few days later and they said, hey, hey, what you said was really great, Can, what do you think about this? And, and what do you think about this as well? So I just shared. Why? Because my mind is influenced by God. My desires are influenced by God. I'm free to think and act and believe and speak. I have confidence. And so they said, hey, wh what if we just tweak your role a little bit? And uh, what, if, what if over the 2024 you step in and you're in all of our leadership team meetings? And, and what if you kind of guide us through the right questions to ask and how to restructure our organization? And could, could you do that? I've never done that before. <laughs> but I said, absolutely. And in a few months, I'm going to begin a, 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 a period of, of reshaping an organization that I've never worked in before. And an industry that I've never worked in before. Why? They recognize that I carry a different spirit. They recognize that my words are not carnal words. They are led by God. I wonder what it would look like. Look around the room for a second. Just take it in. This is one service. It's got two more. Not everybody's going to show up like you guys. The body of living stones is vibrant. When God gave his spirit to the disciples and to the apostles, it says that they went out and they turned the world upside down. dozen people. The reason I feel like this is so significant is I go, God, what could you do with our belief? If we didn't just wait for Pastor Ron to do an impartation service, but we took it to our place of work and we prayed for the broken and we prayed for the hurting and we, we, we spoke with integrity and we spoke influenced by God Almighty through his spirit. What if we took that into the marketplace? What would happen to our city? When everything is shaking and they look at an ideology and a belief system that is unshakable and thriving and vibrant and bringing about life and peace to the full, what would the world do? You couldn't shut it down. That is why I say what we stand upon is so significant. What do you believe? about what is inside of you, because God's entrusted. He gave his life, friends, 
not just to solve an issue of sin, but because he wanted to do life together with you. The goal was his spirit. The goal was his presence. And I wonder what kind of a service are we doing to the sacrifice of Jesus? And I'm just foolish enough that in my lifetime, we will find a move of common, ordinary, unqualified people that just believe enough to see God do wonders in our city. I'm going to move fast. Galatians 5.16, one of the things I love about God is he doesn't make us guess about if we're doing it right. He gives us something called fruit. And there's both good fruit and there's also bad fruit. Everybody say bad fruit. Galatians 5.16, God gives us a picture of what it looks like to bear fruit in our lives. He says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. All of it. Let him guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So we got two spirits. The spirit of the world, is which the Bible refers to it, and the spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit. Then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. It says in verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil. It wants to do it, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. So if you want to sin, try to do the opposite. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of the sin nature. So you don't have to question, am I in the spirit? Am I in the flesh? Am I in the spirit? Or am I in the, the systems of the world? It's going to be opposite, okay? It's white or black. It's wrong or right. There's no question if you're in the spirit or not in the spirit. But he says, let the spirit guide your lives, all of it. In verse 19, he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, here's the fruit. The results are very clear. It's very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Pretty easy to determine. Sin nature, spirit of God. No questions. You will bear fruit in your life. That's why I say, what are you doing in your life? Because what you're doing in your life will tell me what you believe. And then the flip side is true. Here's the fruit of living and working with the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the Holy Spirit, everybody say, Holy Spirit. God's Spirit, which he gave to you, it will produce this kind of fruit in your life. Who will produce the fruit? the spirit of God's job to produce fruit in your life you've never seen an orange tree go <laughs> orange <laughs> when you have a deep belief and a conviction and a faith in the spirit of God the natural response from your person will be fruit If you've ever tried to produce some of these fruit, 
It'll produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Verse 24 says this, and those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's me. Have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, the very principle of God which leads the Father and the Son to act, to think, to desire, since we're led by that, Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. With all the love that I can muster up for you, world needs it, our city needs it, your family needs it, your spouse needs it. So I want to get really practical. How do we do this? How do we do this? My journey for me started with one simple phrase. And I want to leave you with this one simple phrase, believing that the work of the Spirit will guide each one. So what I started doing is when I get in the car, go on my commute, run errands, and I'd wake up in the morning, I would just put my hands upon my heart. And I want to encourage you, if, if you feel comfortable, would you just do that right now? It all starts with the belief that the Spirit of God really is inside of you. So then what do you do? How do you let him take control? How do you let him lead? I would just say one phrase, and I want to leave this with you. I would just say, intimate. Intimacy. Would you just say that in your own heart today? God, would you? Influence me. Spirit of God, influence me. And then the hard part starts (laughs) because then you got to go live like you're being influenced. But here's the amazing thing. The Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on. When you have the belief that the spirit of God is inside of you, it gives you freedom. Freedom to do what? The freedom to act, the freedom to desire, the freedom to speak, the freedom to think, knowing that my thoughts, my desires, and my actions are indeed influenced by the Spirit of God gives me freedom to be human, influenced by God. That is freedom. I do what I desire because I know that I'm influenced by the Spirit of God. 
I speak what I think because my mind is under the influence of God. I act in a way boldly and with confidence because I know that I'm under the influence of God. I am free. I'm not perfect, but I am free. God, I just pray under the sound of my voice, every single heart, liberate us, God, from every fear, every presupposition of what we believed about your spirit. God, put us in position, God, to, to, to embrace the fullness of the spirit that you placed inside of us. Give us freedom, God, freedom to think. Freedom to act, freedom to desire, freedom to move. Would you animate us, Holy Spirit? And God, we're going to leave here today with a simple phrase. Would you just influence us? God, knowing that when you influence us, you won't just influence one portion of our body, but you will, in, in, you will influence every part of us. Lord, your word says to not be drunk on wine, but to be full instead of the Spirit. What a perfect picture of what it looks like to be under the influence of your spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, today we just say, influence us. And when we have our next opportunity to think, we will know that we are doing so, partnering with God. When we have the next opportunity to act, we will do so under the influence of God. And the next time that we desire something... Let it be born from your spirit. God, we love you. And we are honored to be a part of the work that you're doing in the world. God, your church is the hope of the world. And so, God, we just pray, would you allow us to live in it? Would you influence us today, Jesus? And let us leave here tomorrow to go into the marketplace, influenced by God. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus and everybody said.